says, says I to a passerby who's a mate with the nut brown hair. Well, he looked at me and he said to me, that's a gem of Ireland's crown. Young Rosie McCann from the banks of the Banshee's a star of the county down. From Bantry Bay up to Derry's Gay, from Galway to Dublin Town. No maid I've seen like the fair Colleen and a maid in the county down. Well, you know, it's kind of interesting here on Keeping It Real with Alex Garrett, actually the Saturday sit-down version of this podcast, that maybe even the star of the county down would be actually quarantined. You know, St. Patrick's Day weekend is one of the first big celebratory weekends where everybody goes out and has some fun. Now, while the weather's getting warmer, the panic's increasing, and uh, there's no doubt that we will miss the St. Patrick's Day festivities, right? There's no doubt about that. But I was reminded that the that the parade might be canceled, that the parades might be canceled, but the day is still there and we can still honor St. Patrick in our own ways, even if it's not marching up Fifth Avenue for the first time, by the way, in 258 years. Now, my Saturday sit-down today actually has to do with coronavirus, has to do with uh, New York City. As you know, we've now been declared a state of emergency, a city of emergency, and a nation of emergency. So, with that being said, there's a big race coming up on March 24th, and uh, you might have heard him earlier this week. I'm going to revisit my interview with Evan Francesco Bacardi, or I call him Frankie. He's my buddy from Queens College. He's trying to make a difference in 2021 as a city council member, but one of the candidates in this uh, Queensboro presidential race, Donovan Richards, released this statement saying that he would um, he would like to not actually not have the Queens presidential race during this whole thing, the Queensboro presidential race during this whole thing, saying. We are a country that prides itself on thriving democracy. We hold elections under the worst of circumstances, wars, and economic crisis. Never before has holding an election itself been a direct threat to the health of voters. Every voter must be allowed to participate in the election in order to ensure they are free and fair. Our elections require that each voter, this is what Donovan Richards said, uh, have the ability to cast their ballot without risk to health and welfare. Voting itself during this crisis will surely risk voters and poll workers' health alike. <clears throat> he ended the letter saying, I send a letter to Mayor de Blasio and Cuomo, Governor Cuomo, asking them to postpone the special election uh, for Queensboro president scheduled for March 24th. And my first gut reaction to that, sorry, Dr. Sapersky, I know I'm not supposed to have gut reactions, but my first gut reaction to that is simply, uh, if you <clears throat> if you were so sure against Liz Crowley and what she could bring to this borough, then surely you would want this special election um, because it would show you beat her. See, by releasing this statement, it doesn't feel like it's a in the public's safety. It feels like an opportunity to just run and hide for a minute while we're dealing with this. Now, all the major tournaments, the big leagues, the horse races, pretty much all canceled aside. 
Mayor de Blasio this week actually iterated that he would continue the special elections. And this one, if you're in the borough of Queens, you might want to perk up your ears a little bit more and learn more about the borough presidency at stake. As you know, Melinda Katz is now the Queens DA, beating out Tiffany Caban. Well, I asked Evan a litany of questions about this race, and without further ado, please welcome Evan Francesco Bacardi. Frank Bacardi, he's actually going to run for city council. We'll get to that in a bit. But you're a longtime friend. We went to Queens College, and you're trying to make a difference in your area of Queens. And we both agree from our time at Queens College and elsewhere, we love this borough, don't we? Oh, absolutely. Uh, if there's any borough I, I love more, uh, it, it's Queens can not be matched, plain and simple. And uh, by the uh, way, thanks for joining me today. I appreciate it. And, uh, you know, uh, Evan Francesco Bacardi here, and uh, <laughs> fourth-generation New Yorker and a proud, proud son of Queens. I'll tell you that. Now. He really is. In fact, if you look at his campaign card, he's got the Unisphere, one of the most iconic things, not only in the borough of Queens, but in the world. But so Melinda Katz, for those who don't know, have become, has become the DA. That meant the borough presidency is open. And sure enough, there's going to be a special election on March 24th that if you're in the borough of Queens, I want you to know about. And Frankie, wouldn't you say, Evan Francesco, I don't know you want me to call you, but I'm used to calling you Frankie. Uh, <laughs> I would say this is going to be a big factor in where we go and which direction we go for the borough of Queens. I I would say that very much so, um, uh, Alex. And uh, yeah, you can call me Evan. Um, <laughs> uh, with you and I, you can call me Frankie. Everyone else can call me Evan. You're you're only my friends call me that. <laughs> um, but um, quite frankly, uh, no pun intended. Um, you know, the borough president role has changed from its first. Uh, from when it was first uh, created back in the day, um, you know, the Supreme Court ruling eventually ruled the uh, the board of estimates uh, to be unconstitutional since it gave, you know, Staten Island is the same level of vote as the other boroughs, which had substantially more population. But the borough president is the champion of our borough. The borough president makes borough issues to light, which, which would be otherwise ignored, uh, the borough president is the one who is our our cheerleader, our our, our, our guiding light. Um, you know, and the role of the borough president changes with each individual who becomes the borough president because that borough president decides what they want to highlight. Um, you know, Claire Schulman was the first female borough president, and we've had Helen Marshall, and we've had uh, Melinda Katzen. So. It would be <laughs> it would be a nice uh, chain of uh, strong women if uh, Elizabeth Crowley won, um, and, and that's who I feel is the best candidate currently for uh, for borough president over uh, the the seeming, seemingly chosen favorite of uh, Donovan Richards. Well, tell me about who who is running in this race. Liz Crowley actually related to Joe Crowley, who was ousted by AOC. Uh, but Liz Crowley seems to really be able to get to meet the heart of Queens. And, and tell me why you like her, and who who else is in this race? Well, you know, what's interesting is um, right now, uh, we actually, the top Republican contender for borough president, who is um, Steve Mayo, um, surprise, surprise, um, 
dropped out. Um, he he only had um, he, he was required to get uh, two thousand uh, signatures for to be on the ballot, and unfortunately. He he didn't make it. So um, it seems that boiling down now um, is is basically just the Democrats, uh, as easily predicted. But you know, when we in the race, we had um, we had Constantinides, we have had Crowley, we've had uh, Richards, uh, Jimmy Van Bremer. He, he's out of the race. He's pulled out now. Uh, but it's been a very very crowded field, no doubt. Um, Frankly, uh, it seems to me that uh, the, the two top contenders in my eyes are Crowley and Richards. But, um, you know, I, I favor Crowley simply because I, I looked at her on the issues and she has plans. Not to quote Elizabeth Warren, but <laughs> she, I, I like people with plans. I like people with grand dreams for, for what our borough is going to be and what our, our communities are going to be. Well, you know, you um, were right on the front, forefront of the anti-jail uh, proposal. And, well, you didn't want the jails. You were against the proposal for the jails. Uh, do we need a president like that that's going to say, hey, Mayor de Blasio, we're going to push back on you because we love this borough of Queens and we don't want it to be destroyed by your policies? Well, yes. I mean, frankly, uh, people don't think of Queens uh, in this manner, but I mean, if there's a borough behind Staten Island that leans a little more moderate or, or concert, you know, more towards the right, if you will, it's, it's definitely Queens. Uh, you wouldn't see that in the Bronx. You wouldn't see that in Brooklyn. Um, you would definitely see it here. Um, I think that, you know, my parents uh, both lived in Queens for many years. My mother's lived in, you know, Lindenwood and Little Village and, and Bayside and Fort, uh, again Forest Hills, um, where I currently reside. But um, she's always taught me that to be a moderate voice and to consider all sides. Uh, she's an independent voter, and she—I think that's that, that's reflective of what Queens is. Um, we think with our minds. We choose the best people for the job. We don't automatically agree with well, one side or the other. And in, in my personal view, um, it doesn't matter if one has an R or D yet their name. They might have a good idea, and, and everyone should be heard out. I um, love that. I but, love that so much. Oh, thank you. Thank you. I mean, I, I, listen, why, why have we become these quarreling factions in this country? Why aren't we all just people and trying to come to a common solution? Um, you know, that's that's my point of view. Um, and we're just a Democrat for a reason, and uh, I believe in my party, and I believe, you know, in the works that have been done by FDR and Lyndon Johnson, uh, things that have lasted a long time and are extremely popular, like Social Security and Medicare. Um, plain and simple, that those things wouldn't exist without the Democratic Party. Well, I think, and, you know, would you I say that? Know. Would you say that Liz Crowley is trying to bring that moderate voice? to the borough presidency. I mean, Tiffany Caban gave uh, gave a run to all of Queens, like, hey, we could have a really progressive, far-left person in office here, but thank God uh, Melinda, Cal- uh, Melinda Katz won, right? So I feel like, uh, would you say that Liz Crowley is another moderate voice trying to keep us moderate? Well, you know, again, I, I like to avoid labels and saying that someone is definitely a moderate, is definitely a moderate. There's issues which I feel I'm very, very liberal on, and there's other issues that I feel like I'm conservative on. 
Um, I think that Elizabeth Crowley, the word I would use to describe her is practical. Um, she understands the importance of our veterans. She understands good government. She has plans to help our environment. She has a brilliant, brilliant, brilliant transit plan, which nobody else uh, seems to even consider. She, she's excellent. Um, so, yes, I, I would use the word practical over anything else, but I, I trust Elizabeth Crowley. Um, you know, it's interesting that uh, I was not aware uh, until you had made me, uh, you know, <laughs> you were not informing me, but uh, I was not aware that she was related to Joe Crowley. But, uh, you know, I don't believe in, <laughs> in being related to someone, uh, you know, you're not guilty by association or you're not privileged by association. You know, you're individual, you stand on your own two feet and, and how you perform is how you perform. You know, your, your accidental relation to someone else is not reflect who I, you are as a person. I agree with that. By the way, wouldn't you say this borough is a roll your sleeves up kind of borough and we get the job done when we need to? We are absolutely the kind of people who roll up our sleeves and get things done. Um, <laughs> you know, you see that every day. We have, you know, in my particular district, we have Regal Park, Richmond Hill, Forest Hills, and Kew Gardens. Now, Forest Hills, uh, in particular, you know, has an association with being the upper crust because we have Forest Hills Gardens and everything. But a lot of my district is hardworking people. You know, traffic cops, teachers, people who who, who get out there and make things happen. The invisible heroes who make our borough what it is and make our city what it is. We are a roller-based kind of borough, and, and it, that's what makes our, our borough a special place. And this is, this is the thing now. Do you think we're going to buy into this hysteria of coronavirus since we are go-getting, roll your sleeves up? I mean, look, there have been confirmed cases, but... Frankie, do we see people really stay home? I don't feel like that's the Queen's way. I feel like we're going to battle through this coronavirus panic right now. All right. So it's very interesting that you touch on this, uh, Alex, because, um, you know, by the CDC's own uh, calculation, between October of 2019 and February of 2020, there have been an estimated 20,000 to 52,000 deaths from flu. Now, um, the flu has killed, definitely killed as a baseline, 40,000 people. If you compare the numbers between the flu and the coronavirus, and I'm aware of the fact that viruses can mutate very quickly, I, you know, I'm not seeing the same level of threat from something that people generally aren't concerned about. Um, you know, flu, the, the flu would affect the same kinds of people. It would affect, you know, people with autoimmune problems, uh, the elderly, people who need to be, you know, generally concerned about their health. Um, but we're not in a hysteria about catching the flu on the subway, and we're not in a hysteria about catching the flu on an airplane. You know, we, we still live our lives. Um, so to, to a certain degree, I, I do, it's good to be cautious. Don't get me wrong. It's good to be cautious. Uh, and to take this seriously, lest it, it, it mushroom into a larger pandemic. But some of the hysteria, and some of it's been racist hysteria, unfortunately, um, is unjustified at this time. Um, you know, it's good to be precautious. Um, it, it's good to be cautious and take precaution, but it isn't good to panic. Um, and, and I think that, you know, some people, most are not panicking at this time, but some people are taking it a little too far. In my view. 
And who would you say those people are? I'm just curious. Like, what have you seen that maybe my audience or I haven't seen as as panicky as it's getting? What have you seen from our leadership right now? Well, I mean, I believe that Cuomo's doing the proper job. Uh, you know, he ran back with the, um, the federal administration, both the, um, the New York Congress people and um, the Trump administration himself for such a paltry amount. I think it was something like $35 million to fight the coronavirus out of the $8 billion, $8 plus billion, excuse me, dollar bill. Um, and I guess he had some justification on that because New York's population, especially in New York City, is particularly susceptible. Um, you know, we use public transportation a lot more. You know, we're, it's a very, very dense city. It's the largest city in the United States. So some of that criticism, I feel, is justified, um, especially now that we have some confirmed cases. But uh, I, I believe that it, we, we are doing the right thing so far. Um, people are taking precautions. And again, we, you know, people <laughs> go and do things like that. A lot of people like, wear a mask, uh, and they still willing that have things are going. And, and I feel that some of that, in part, is unjustified at this time. Let's talk about, is there going to be a debate for this Queensborough president? Because I'm sure this, how will you handle coronavirus on a very, very local borough level is going to come up if it hasn't already. Um, how should the candidates, how do you think they're going to respond to those kind of questions? Well, let me answer your question with a question. Um, do you believe that there needs to be a debate right now? Well, I think if if it's between Crowley and Richards, that I think there should be a debate uh, between the two of them, just so people have a fairer assessment of both. All right. Well, it just so happens that there is a debate, and it's tonight at Queens College. Um, you know, the, the, I believe that uh, I think right now what is it? Like I said before, we have Constantine, uh, Crowley, um, Richards, and I think Queen and Miranda, I believe. Um, so, you know, right now this debate will, will boil down to key issues that affect the world. Now, I'm sure that the coronavirus will come up. But, again, the, the, the borough president role is... is its power has been diminished over the years, again, by the Supreme Court ruling um, years and years ago, even before I was born. Um, the, the borough president, I, I don't feel, have a huge impact on the direct response to the coronavirus, but the, the borough president will be responsible for making sure that our small businesses are, keep getting frequented, and commerce continues, especially in Flushing, which must be hurting right now because of unfair racial commentations that come along with the coronavirus. Um, you know, the borough president is, is going to be responsible to, to quote-unquote, making sure that people keep calm and carry on. Um, you know, it, it's a necessary thing to keep our commerce going, to keep our economy going. I fear that some of this... Again, hysteria over the coronavirus will lead us into recession. Um, I agree with you. That's a big concern. Oh, I'm sorry. I interrupted you. No, 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 no. Go, keep going because I, I agree with you. But, but follow on that track. What, what do you think is going to ultimately happen if we keep hyping this hysteria up, as you say? Well, we continue to hype this hysteria up. And again, some of it, some concern about the coronavirus is definitely justifiable, okay? You don't know what's going to happen. Viruses mutate quickly. It can become a pandemic, and it could become a serious pandemic. 
But at this time, there's, there's no need to, to uh, like, so I, I have a, um, my cousin's, uh, my, my, uh, my wife's kid cousin, I guess she would be my cousin in law, nine years old. Uh, and we recently went to a, a wonderful event in my uh, neighborhood, a food festival in Forest Hills called Taste of the World. Uh, we actually attended yesterday. And I went around with her and tried all different samples from all different countries. I said, wow, look at this, uh, Vanessa. We tried over 12 countries. Um, and, and you like them? And she goes, yeah, I like all of them. And then I goes down and looks checking off all the countries that I've written down of what she likes. And then she's going to check off uh, China. And I go, well, why don't you, you need to uh, check off China? And she goes, well, because of the coronavirus. I'm like, what? <laughs> it's totally ludicrous. What? And so this is a nine-year-old child. So if adults are, are doing the same thing, I think that that's, that's really ridiculous. There's nothing to indicate a person of, uh, of, of Chinese descent, a Chinese-American individual, would be carrying the coronavirus any more likely than uh, an Italian-American individual, a Polish-American individual. It's just, it's just unlikely. Um, so I, I think that that's, if a child is thinking that and, and the adults are also thinking that, maybe they should relook at uh, what they're doing. Well, that, uh, is, that is a problem um, for sure. By the way, you, you mentioned the debate is tonight, uh, Monday, March 9th, 6 to 8 p.m. at our very old stomping grounds, Queens College, oh. and oh, uh, no. <laughs> at the very Student Union building. So uh, if you want more information or to, I guess, RSVP, gov.affairs, RSVP at qc.cuny.edu, debate will live stream from college's Facebook and YouTube pages. So check that out. Looks like there's still room to go. Uh, Crowley, Costa Constantinus, uh, Anthony Miranda, former Queens prosecutor James Quinn, Donovan Richards, city councilman, and uh, Dow Yin, Flushing businessman. And by the way, this debate's put on by my good friends, city and state. So very cool on that front, 6 to 8 p.m. Uh, really going to decide the future of our borough. And I think you are trying to do that as well with your run for city council. Let's talk about that, friend. You are running for city <laughs> council 2021. What's going on here? Oh, that's correct, Alex. Well, to start from the beginning, I think um, I, I first decided to run for city council because I needed to get something very, very basic done in my district. Um, I think that basically, uh, if I remember right, it was sort of 2017 or 2018, I tried to get them to just install uh, enclosed garbage cans because the old, you know, 70s style wire baskets were, were basically blowing. There's so much wind that comes up of where I am in parcels from. Uh, from Willow Lake, so you know it, it gets pretty windy, and then our trash gets strewn all over the place. Uh, it's pretty disgusting, and then people abuse it by putting uh, stuff that clearly is household garbage or commercial garbage um, into the wire baskets themselves, which of course overflows very quickly. So I think that I contacted my councilwoman Karen Kosowitz to try and get some covered cans. Um, and first off, I was amazed because literally this problem was occurring. It's not, I mean, half a block away from where her office was. So she must have driven by it every single day. Um, and she took no action whatsoever to fix such a basic problem. And I said, geez, that's, 
that doesn't seem logical. I mean, you're, you're a council person. You must care about your district. If you see an issue, it's impossible not to see it if you're driving by it every day. But I shouldn't need to ask you to fix that. And so the I became further incensed um, when I tried to get, at the end of my block, it's a very, very small park. Years ago, and it, it still exists, but there was a connection to this, this small, they call it the uh, Metzger sitting area. There was a connection to the rest of Flushing Meadows Corona Park. It was an entrance to Flushing Meadows Corona Park. And um, as I understand it, the entrance, of course, to the World's Fair, which preceded uh, Flushing Meadows Corona years and years ago. And that gate has been locked um, longer than I'm, I've been alive. There's been, you know, uh, studies to open it, and it never was open. So I said, okay. You know, I just asked politely um, if they could, you know, just put in, not a lot, a swing set, a jungle gym for, for children in, in our, our community, just so that it just wasn't a sitting area. Because right now it just attracts, you know, a bunch of teenagers smoking marijuana. So I, I, I felt that that was a complete waste of parkland, and we could turn it into something special. I wasn't asking for a lot. And um, I, I participated in the Queen's participatory budgeting um, process. And I found that in the participatory budgeting process, what won um, my, the people in my district voted was mainly um, bathroom and water fountain upgrades. I'm kind of scratching my head and I'm saying, wait a minute. Are people so desperate for bathroom and water fountain upgrades? Like, the purpose of the participatory budgeting process is you get a discretionary million dollars, and you, it's your choice in your district and how to spend it, as, as I understand it. This is stuff that you wouldn't normally get. If you have a, a school that's been open for 80 years ago, I would imagine that at some course, at some point in the course of the 80 years, it's viewed as regular maintenance to replace the bathroom. Okay? Because nothing's going to last 80 years. You would think so, Frankie. So I, the fact that our councilwoman isn't getting this as part of a regular package defeats the purpose of the participatory budgeting. She, the, these funds are to improve our district and to get us things that we, sh- we wouldn't normally get. Now we're using this discriminatory funding to, to get the basics that we need. One woman came in saying that there, in her um, in her school, I forget which school it was, but it's in my district, uh, District 29. Uh, she was trying to get a new oven for the kitchen because the old oven was just completely shot. It, it wasn't working in the school. We're using discretionary funds to fix an oven? Is that not like an immediate thing? We're like, oh, well, we need to get that fixed right away because we have, you know, a few thousand kids to feed today. So we should really take care of that at once. If that's why, how our government works, then, then I was, I, I just got smacked that that, that it came to that, that we would have to use discretionary funds to, to get the basics of, of feeding our children. Um, I just got smacked when I heard that, and I said, this, this, this government isn't working. Um, that, that's, that's preposterous. That's not how it's supposed to work. Um, so, um, you know, uh, over the time, my wife encouraged me to throw my hat in the ring. The final straw for me in, in encouraging, encouraging me to run was, of course, as you, as you know well, my friend, um, the, uh, the announcement of the borough-based jails 
which is, you know, going to be billions and billions of dollars of jail cells. Um, I think that the current rate of, of cost at a, a conservative estimate, it's going to cost $2 million per jail cell um, to have uh, individuals accused of crimes, $2 million per cell. Um, and the fact of the matter is I, I, I've always viewed it as this is the entire process was a complete farce. Because if they really cared about um, the prisoners' quality of life, which is what they're purporting when they're saying we're going to shut down Rikers, this is a new place, blah, 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 they would have also passed a law, or at least asked Albany to pass a law, creating a look-back window to punish those guards who have committed human rights atrocities. Basically, there's a very short statute of limitations, a very short, very, very short statute of limitations if, if you commit an atrocity against a prisoner. And so basically, as long as no one uh, finds out about it, you're in the clear. You keep your job, you keep your pension, you're not reprimanded in any way. So what on earth is going to change if you take these same guards who have not been reformed or not been retrained at all and you put them in different buildings. Are they going to change their behavior? I, I would logically think not. Um, so if they really cared about the good of the prisoners um, and they really cared about the human rights atrocities that were committed in Rikers Island, they would have also passed it along with, with the caveat that there needs to be a look-back window for the guards who committed human rights atrocities. Um, my mother's cousin actually was a guard at Rikers Island and actually later became a member of the Secret Service. Um, you know, and he, he knows what life is like on Rikers Island. It's a tough place, but you can't, you can't let the people who are supposed to be punishing the people breaking the laws break laws themselves. Um, and I feel that's very rational. I'm a very common sense candidate. Um, and that's the way I feel. I mean, they, there's a lot of good guards in New York's boldest. The vast majority of them are good guards, but there are some who, who go too far. Uh, and they, if the city council really cared about that um, and not uh, ticking off certain groups, then they would have passed that with a look back window. But also, I would say sure. inmates have never really, haven't been treating guards as well either, and that's also been highlighted. Well, that's that's fair to say. I mean, there are some uh, of those jails who don't behave themselves, um, but the presumption is that you know you're innocent until proven guilty, so you cannot have your rights. You know, your rights cannot be taken away until the fact. That's, that's, you know, I'm a very strong believer in the Constitution, and we're against. You know, as you know all too well, Alex. You know, the Constitution particularly outlines cruel and unusual punishment. Right. Um, the guards are, the, are in the position of issuing cruel or unusual punishment, um, you know, whether it's uh, de facto or it, it's, uh, it's, it's actually written down as de facto. Um, so if, if a guard commits an atrocity which is in violation of the law, that guard needs to be reprimanded. Um, again, moving the the people who committed these atrocities, and again, the vast majority of guards, including my family, um, I won't name him by name, but, but uh, my mother's cousin who works for Rikers, um, the ma- majority of them are good, decent, hardworking people. Um, but there are a few bad eggs who give them a bad reputation. But we need to make sure, 
overall that the laws obey that we do not violate cruel and unusual uh, punishment. That people are innocent in the prison guilty and they're kept comfortable until they uh, until the time that they're actually sentenced and found guilty, you know, found guilty and actually sentenced. Um, I don't think that's uh, such a crazy idea that that we protect people who who have not committed crimes. Um, you know, I think you're probably pretty familiar with the Khalif Browder case. Yeah. Uh, where a poor young man was accused of. of I believe he's stealing a backpack or something like that. Um, and, you know, for those unaware, it turns out he, he didn't do it, but he was kept in solitary confinement so, for so long, but basically, um, uh, well, well, for frank, lack of better words, it, it warps your brain, more or less. It, it screws with your brain chemistry to be in isolation from other human beings. Um, and uh, he eventually killed himself, unfortunately. It, it's very tragic. Uh, for someone who is innocent. So, yeah, no, I, I think that justifies, police rather is a perfect example of cruel and unusual punishment. Um, that 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 should never have happened. And, and, and I, it does, I don't know about you, but that does not smack me of justice in our American system of, of justice. Um, and, uh, and that's all I'm going to say on that matter. Well, so you're, you're obviously for better care and instead of building the new jail you want to find ways to improve their lives but also i feel like they've taken that sentiment of being nice to those who have committed crimes or you know giving them an innocent until proven guilty i do feel like they've taken that overboard with the bail reform and allowing everybody even those that have truly committed crimes and bad ones to get back on the streets would you agree with that well I mean, truly committed crimes. What, what do you mean by that? Because if I arrest someone, that doesn't mean that they're guilty. Um, well, I mean, like you know. murder. I mean, people that have been career criminals, robbing people and being, and some of them have committed murders. I mean, they haven't just secluded this to those who truly deserve a second chance. They've opened it to those who have continually been uh, arrested for doing heinous things. Well. Uh, I don't believe that murder was included under the Bell Reform Law, so that was like that clear. I don't, I, I'm sure that that wasn't. Um, but there are several, there were numerous laws which were um, which were included under Bell Reform, which I was shocked that uh, Albany passed. Um, basically, there's you can be accused of menacing, third, fourth, and fifth degree arson. Assisting in female genital mutilation, promoting suicide attempts, obstructing governmental services with a bomb, first-degree stalking while committing a sex offense, reckless assault of a child, and criminal obstruction of breathing. These are all crimes which, <laughs> under the bail reform law, um, these individuals can't be held. <laughs> um, so I, I was pretty shocked to see those um, because those. Listen, I could understand that if, you know, committing shoplifting, that there's no, that that's a, is a victim, of course, is a business that gets shoplifted. I won't say it's a victim's crime, but, you know, for shoplifting, no one got hurt, okay? That's, that's the caveat. Menacing, third, fourth, and fifth degree arson Female genital mutilation and promoting suicide attempts, amongst all the other ones I just listed, those are ones where people can get hurt. Absolutely. Um, 
so I'm obviously, 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 uh, and I think that the majority of your listeners and the majority of the people in my district and citywide would agree that having those in there, you know, it's got to be scratching your head. Like, how did those get in there? Um, I am just sorry to say that, that that's happened. The bail reform law does need tweaks. It, its intentions are very, very good, and the idea is, well, basically, you know, since you're, you didn't have to put up bail, um, for the individuals who could not afford to put up bail, they're, they're free on the streets, and they can mount a defense for themselves, which I believe in. Again, I believe in the due process of law. Sure. Uh, I'm a strict enforcer of the due process of law, um, and, and everyone has needs the opportunity to mount their defense. However, if you pose a potential threat to the public— Okay, such as obstructing governmental services with a bomb, um, then, yeah, you pose a threat to life or limb to another human being, and you should be uh, held, held until we can determine, you know, if you're really a danger or not. Um, I, I'm sorry to say, but uh, there were things in the bail reform laws passed by my own party which I feel were a mistake. All right, um, I, 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 go for it. Sure, sorry. No, no, I, please. Next question. Well, no, I'm just I, as we're wrapping this up here. I I do want to know the silence from your city council member must be driving you nuts enough to run against her. Like I feel like she's been silent on or even supportive of the entire bail reform, or she's been silent on the jails. I mean, would you would you argue that's been your main motivation? How quiet she's been on this uh, sort of takeover of Queens. I would say that the um, my councilwoman, Karen Kosowitz, I'm sure is personally a very lovely woman. Um, but yes, I very much disagree with the way she's been running the show um, from the fact that I can get a garbage can on the corner of my block to the fact that uh, she supported the uh, $10 billion for a towering, at first 27 story, now she knocked it down to 19 story, jail to be built in my neighborhood at the same time when we could take those ten billion, that $10 billion and put it into the poorest districts of our city, giving people an education, getting them out of poverty, introducing recidivism programs to make sure people get back on the right track and they don't end up behind bars, that would be a better use of $10 billion. The fact that she voted for that, I, I'm gobsmacked. I'm, most of the city council, as you well know, will be ending their, their term uh, and and I will have a new a new class of faces, let's say, to if I should be so graced uh, to be a member of the city council. But uh, yes, I, I've been very very uh, disappointed with Karen Kosowitz, and I've discussed this with a um, lot of people in my community. Um, and again, I'm sure she's personally a very nice woman, um, but a lot of people in my community feel she just goes around and takes photo ops. And then puts out a, uh, a publication of saying, from your council member Karen Kosowitz. Um and and that's not what the job is. Job is not taking photo ops and giving the illusion that you're doing something. The job is doing something, um, and, and that's how I feel about that. Well, Evan Francesco Bacardi is his running name, and and uh, where can people find your website? Oh, it's my my website is Bacardi. That's B O C C. A-R-D-I for citycouncil.com. One word. 
Um, and, you know, I, I invite everyone to go online. You know, I have a number of positions of, of improving Queens Boulevard and greenifying Queens Boulevard, um, establishing uh, parking permits like Chicago and Los Angeles have, so to improve parking in everyone's own neighborhood, um, expanding our public transportation system, uh, establishing uh, recall elections to, to keep our politicians honest, uh, establishing resign to run laws so people like de Blasio can't run for president and abandon our city. Uh, like five other states currently have, um, you know, establishing quiet cars on the subways, new contextual development, and, and new homeless programs to help our, our homeless, particularly the mentally ill. Um, and and my my favorite part of what I'm doing, um, besides helping our seniors, our veterans, and disabled, is, is our um, our small business uh, promotion because we really love our small businesses and they make our neighborhood. So I invite you, uh, everyone who happens to be listening, uh, and I appreciate you listening, uh, to go onto the website, uh, BacardiForCityCouncil.com, and take a look at our position. And if you have ideas or or suggestions or dreams for what our community can be, I'd love to hear them. Uh, We would really appreciate your input. So um, I thank you for your time, Alex. I, I, graciously, I greatly appreciate it. I, I, I'm so thankful that you, you gave me a call. Well, Evan Francesco Bacardi, Frankie, you know you've been there from the start of this. So I'm glad that you're now working to make a difference as well. And we're going to be behind you every step of the way. And uh, Bacardi for citycouncil.com. Right there, Evan? That uh, Evan? Yeah, that's that's correct, Alex. All right, I actually heard you. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) Uh, Oh, my God. Anyway, I'm Alex Garrett. Keep it right here.